Bibles. It's called the Love Chapter. And, uh, of course, I, I despise newfangled Bibles. Uh, we need to pay attention to the one we have. Amen. I'll start working on new something new when I handle everything that I already have. And, and there's a reason why the word charity is in your King James Bible. Uh, yes, we understand <clears throat> that uh, the Greek word agape is here, which means love, and people get a little tired. But love in the English language is a very flexible word, is it not? Uh, how many of you love Thanksgiving dinner, uh, especially when there's cheesecake and all kinds of other really good things, cannolis and and all the things you're not allowed to have, but you can get away with it. No, you don't get away with it. You just forget about all the rules on Thanksgiving, right? And, and enjoy uh, the the blessings there. And, and we say, I love good food. And then the next sentence is, I love my wife and children. Well, hopefully, there'd be a little different level of emotion there. Now, for some people, there isn't. Uh, and, and that's a sad commentary on our society today. Uh, but the word charity, as, as we go through this chapter, and again, we're going to try to get the whole way through the chapter to get the big uh, picture tonight. Uh, we're going to find out that there's a reason the word charity is used here because it's not just simply the English word love. If you do that, if you substitute that, you're going to miss a lot. You're going to miss the entire message of this passage. So let's start in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity... I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me Nothing. Now, this is the first section here uh, of this treatise on charity in the Bible. And you do need to understand something. The overall context here is spiritual gifts. That's what chapter 12 is. It's talking about spiritual gifts. It's talking about your place... In the body of Christ, it's talking about your service to the Savior through the local church. Remember, uh, all of the modern scholars, they love 1 Corinthians 12, 13. We are all baptized by one spirit into one body, but I have yet to read in any commentary a, even an honorable mention of verse 27 of this same chapter that says, Now ye are the body of Christ. Does ye include me? No. When I say ye, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about me. Ye is not we. You see, we have all the same salvation. And one day, 
we will be assembled together in heaven as one local church. Not there yet. But ye are the body of Christ. He says, Corinthians, you are a, the complete body of Christ. And people get into, oh, it represents, and, I, and this isn't the main point here. We're just trying to set context. This charity chapter is not just talking about you and what you experience. It is in the context of you and your service in the local church. Can we get at least one amen? You see, the world has taken this chapter, modern theologians have taken this chapter and ripped it completely out of context and have you searching for love. Has that worked for Hollywood yet? Hello? How many movies have they made about searching for love? And most of them, blasphemous, immoral, and can I just use the word? Stupid. I mean, it just makes no sense at all. You know, years ago, I had someone talk to me and he said, well, well, Pastor, you know, the, the spark is gone. And, and I said, wait a minute. In electrical wiring, you know, they talk about sparks and sparks of love and stuff like that. You know what sparks are? It's the sign of a bad connection. Sparks make fire. Sparks melt down switch boxes. You don't want sparks in love. You want a solid connection. Hello? Amen? Husbands? Wives? You, you want a good connection. You, 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 want, uh, you don't want that sparking because it just leads to massive problems. I mean, I, I don't know how. Well, I do know how. Only God kept the Union Baptist Church building from burning down a hundred times with the electrical wiring that was there. And I, I'll tell you what, I just marvel at the new set uh, God sent us some great electricians. I have never, ever seen a switch box like this in my entire life. Uh, it looks like somebody, uh, it looks like a work of art. I mean, there is not a crooked wire in the whole box. It is so cool. Uh, it's the way it's supposed to be. And yet, we're not out here, it, and we're not out here searching for love. And yet, here's what the, Paul starts with. He says, if I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I had the ability to communicate in any language. You know what we call people that really communicate well? The flim-flam man, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of the actual term for that. Uh, it's just slipping my mind, the con artist. Uh, the guy that's able to take advantage of you, the high-pressure sales. These are people that can communicate, but they don't love you. All they want is the money. 
How many people followed Jim Jones to their death? I believe the actual count was 918. Looked it up just a little while ago. Did he have love in his heart for any of his followers? If he did, he wouldn't have murdered them. Hello? You see, Paul is saying here, if I could speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have charity, we have a lot of sounding brass and tinkling cymbals out there today. And he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I mean, don't we live in the world of smart people? I mean, and the next time I hear some news commentator talking about the smartest man in the room, I think I'm going to regurgitate. Uh, I mean, it just makes me ill. The smartest man in the room syndrome is what's gotten this country into the problems we are in right now. And we are in one of the darkest hours of American history with all of the uh, political and economic and and problems that are coming down and the social unrest that is in this nation. We got there because of smart people. Some of this stuff was done on purpose. And if you don't believe that, you just... Need to wake up and pay attention. You see, without charity, knowledge is a dangerous thing, is it not? And then we go on here, and it says, And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. How many of you have ever heard, met someone who wanted to tell you how great a Christian they were? Have you ever met anybody? I've, I've met a few over the years. Praise God, not here at this church, but I, I've met some people like that. The Bible says, without charity, faith is worthless. Do you get that? Now, you need to get that because we're not going to understand charity in the context. We're we're going to miss the message that Paul is trying to get through here if we don't get this here. And then he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, we, we don't have exact dates on the writings of these books, but this is the book of 1 Corinthians. It, it would be less than a decade removed from when Nero would literally be burning Christians in the circus in Rome. And this, you put this in historical context there. Paul says, listen, even if you did, gave everything, even your body to be born for the cause of Christ and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, could I ask you a question? If, if you could take a choice of one of these things, I mean, as a pastor... My, my desire is to communicate better. 
is to explain the Bible. I mean, these are things that we need. Who would not want great faith? I'll tell you what, who wouldn't want to have a giving spirit? Amen? And how many of you want to be stupid? I mean, don't we want to know what is right and to have the knowledge to... These are good things. But without charity, they're absolutely worthless. And so, my first question is, how in the world does the simple word love fulfill that definition? Uh, let me tell you, it doesn't. It doesn't even come close. We, we've got to find something bigger than just uh, an affection. Uh, 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 love is a verb, I know, but it, let me tell you, it's going to get worse because now Paul's going to describe what charity really is. And so let's look at this definition here, and starting with verse 4. Charity suffereth long. Do I need to explain that? We love patient people and we hate to be patient, don't we? Charity suffereth long. How about this next phrase? And is kind. You know what? That, that's a hard thing to do sometimes. Sometimes you have to have tough love. But just kindness. I'll tell you what, the world could use a little more kindness, couldn't it? Charity envieth not. Now, I'm not going to ask you, but how many of you have felt bad about someone else's blessing? Uh, charity doesn't do that. Let's keep going here. It's getting quiet. We're going to get worse here. Charity vaunteth not itself. Now, how many of you know what the word vaunteth means? Boastful. But preacher, it's not bragging if it's true. Uh, Excuse me. Yes, it is. Charity does not push itself forward. Charity doesn't tell you. I mean, this, this goes so against everything that is quote-unquote American today, is it not? And so, charity vaunteth not. It doesn't boast. It doesn't. It says, not puffed up. Oh, my. We could spend the whole night on that one, couldn't we? How about this next one, five? Doth not behave itself unseemly. I mean, one of the descriptions of David as a young man was he knew how to go out and how to come in. How many of us have been embarrassed by our lack of understanding of how to behave? Uh, My hand goes up. Every one of us have been there. Charity does not behave unseemly. Charity knows how to act in every given situation. That one alone knocks every one of us in this room out of here, doesn't it? Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. How about this next one? Thinketh no 
evil. Oh, but you don't know there's hidden agendas. You've you got to pay attention. You've got to wake up. You've got to realize that people are trying to do... And charity doesn't think evil about other people. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Oh, he finally got what he deserved. Every time there's a new Clinton scandal, then the cry goes up, they're finally going to get it. Hey, charity doesn't rejoice in iniquity. I'm not glad those horrible things went on. Are you? We shouldn't be. We shouldn't rejoice in iniquity. But what's it say? But rejoiceth in the truth. Well, I'm glad the truth's finally coming out. They're going to get it. No, no, no. You twisted it all around. Listen, we've got to understand that this thing called charity does all of these things. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. I don't know about you, but as I read through that list, I said, wow, I flunked that test. How about you? Hello? Oh, me? Now, wait a minute. If I don't have charity, the greatest accomplishments that we can accomplish in the realm of serving Christ are absolutely worthless. Yet, in order to have charity... Uh, how many of you would agree with me this goes beyond the limits of human ability? Hello? Anybody in this room want to stand up and say, hey, I, I fit that list. Well, you just broke, vaunteth not itself. Seeketh not its own. I mean, it just, it, it's an impossible list to fulfill. Because charity never fails. And yet we all do, do we not? But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Now, people like to come through here and they want to read in all kinds of things uh, I just want you to understand that what Paul is saying here, that no matter what we do, did God have living prophets when this book was written? Absolutely. Read through the book of Acts. There were men who told Paul, it hadn't happened yet, he hadn't been put in jail. He said, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to bind you and they're going to turn you over to the Roman authorities. And Paul went anyway. He said, I'm not only ready to be bound, I'm ready to, be die. I'm ready to die if that's God's will. And you can argue about God's will for Paul's life. But here's what Paul said after he was put in jail. He said, these bonds have furthered the gospel, not hinder it. So, so we believe that Paul was doing what God wanted him to do, even though he was going to be in jail for four years before he's going to be set free. So... 
the, the entire thing here is that no matter what we can do, it's going to stop. Now, verse 10, a lot of people love to just stretch this verse, but that when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. You know, when this book called the Bible was completed, is there any more need for prophecies? Is there any more need for special knowledge? No, absolutely not. You see, what Paul was talking about, he said, we serve God right now the the best we can, but God has to give us special revelation. He gave Paul the vision to go into Macedonia uh, and start at the church of Philippi. That had already happened. Paul said, I'm serving God at His direction. Uh, there were people giving actual prophecies because the Bible hadn't been finished yet. The book of Revelation is almost... Uh, two-thirds prophecy, things that haven't happened yet. And so, it says we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, some modern theologians have tried to put the second coming of Christ in there. But that doesn't fit the context. He's not talking about Jesus' return. He's talking about our understanding of who God is. How many of you are getting close to where we're going with the definition of charity here? When that which is perfect is come, it's talking about the Word of God, that which we do in part, the prophecies, the special knowledge that God gave man, all of those things, the spiritual gifts that he spent so much time talking about, in chapter 12, he said those things are, are going to be done away with. We're not going to need them like we did before. In verse 11, he gives the example. When as a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part... But then shall I know even as also I am known. You see, is there anything you need to know about God that's not written down? You've answered the question correctly. Your silence is the answer. There is nothing you need to know about God that's not written in this book called the Bible. Uh, There are things that you can know. Read Romans chapter 1. You can look up into the stars at night, and if you have a lick of sense, as they used to say, if you have the least little bit of understanding, you have to admit that there is a God. But if you're going to know anything about Him personally, you're going to have to read this book called the Bible. The only thing that you, things that you can know about God honestly and truly is what's written down in this book. Can we say amen to that? I was just checking some news and things and I saw one of those little stupid things. 
things, uh, misconceptions about the Bible. And I said, oh, I, I'm just going to have to look at this because uh, things that people... And one of the first things was, was, how many books are in the Bible? Well, most people will say there are 27 books in the New Testament and 39 books, but if you're a Catholic, and then they gave the numbers of the books that were added at the Council of Trent, and if you're Orthodox, then they gave the number of books that the Orthodox Church accepts, and and said the canon of the Bible was not settled until 14 or 1541 at the Council of Trent. And I'm sitting here going, gag, gag. The canon of Scripture was settled before 120 A.D. The entire Bible as we hold it today had already been translated into several different languages and our modern scholars, as the entire Bible was translated into Greek, oh, we have a Septuagint. Excuse me? It was a translation of the Bible. It wasn't a Septuagint. It didn't exist before the church translated the entire Bible. Oh, but there are historical references. Oh, yes. There's historical references to all kinds of things, like George Washington chopping down the cherry tree and all kinds of other neat little stories. The Bible was translated into Greek. It was translated into Latin. It was translated a few years later into the old Gaelic, uh, the language of southern France. It was translated into the old Syrian, the Peshetta, just all before 200 A.D. And the amazing thing is, it's the same list of books that we have today. Not in every one, of course, but there's enough evidence that the canon of Scripture was settled by the church long before any man or group of men came together to settle the issue. You see, there are some things that we don't understand. And there is coming a day when we will stand before Christ and we'll know all these things. But that's not the... Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. When I got the whole Bible, (coughs) I stopped worrying about that which I did not know and was satisfied with what God gave me. Then he says, And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now, no matter what you accomplish, even in the realm of the Christian faith, without charity is worthless. We've gone down through these characteristics of charity, and we are told that when that which is perfect is come, we shall reach a, a point where we can put away things that are done in part, And that the greatest thing that we can obtain in this life is charity. The working definition of charity that the best that I've been able to come up with over the years is this. Love in action. But could we redefine love tonight? What is the biblical definition of love? 
God is love. How many of you got it? Charity is God's love working through us. You know what? You can do things that look very charitable on the outside, but without God's love working through you, they are nothing but Phariseeism or hypocrisy. It is developing a real relationship with Jesus Christ, serving God through His church, His way. That's what we're supposed to be seeking after. What was the problem in the Corinthian church? They were seeking after the gifts. They were seeking after physical manifestations of God working through them so that they could prove how greatly they were, how great they were spiritually. And they were talking about, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and I'm of Peter and I'm of Christ. And, and Paul was trying to get them to understand Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, there's going to be many that say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. And what's his answer going to be? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. But they're going to say, but wait a minute, I prophesied in thy name. I, I had all of these things that Paul just said were absolutely worthless without charity. God will not accept you because of what you do. He will only accept you because of what Jesus did. And how can we live the Christian life on any other basis? I've tried to word this truth so many different ways, but the only thing that comes out is, what you did to get saved is how you live for Christ each day. And that is charity defined biblically. It's getting close enough to Jesus Christ in surrender and service after salvation, of course, that His love begins to work through me and to touch others. How else can charity never fail? Because each one of us fail. I've caught myself a few times saying, I'm just running out of myself. There's nothing I have left to give. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, that's how I got saved now, wasn't it? Is I surrendered everything to Christ. Now, if I'm going to live for Him, I've got to let Him live through me. That's charity. And it fits every definition and every phrase that is in this passage. Does it not? Hello? Are, are you with me? Can you see that? Do you grab that hold of that truth? And what does charity make me do? It makes me serve Christ through His 
because that's the overall context. I am not concerned about what I do. That's why I am not envious of other people who have greater gifts and abilities than I do. That's why I'm not worried about vaunting myself or, or trying to make myself something. Uh, I'm, I'm not seeking myself. I, I, we've, I have tried to present this over the years. You know, the most selfish, wicked person in the world is someone who uses your problems to make themselves feel better spiritually. How can you be more wicked than that? How can you be more totally against what charity is? And yet, what is it? Well, I hope I can do enough good to outweigh my bad. Well, there you go. I need your problems to make myself look better to God. I don't want that kind of help. Do you? I want help from someone who is seeking the Lord Jesus Christ and is willing to throw out a toe line or a hand and drag me along. Amen? That's the ministry of the local church. That is what we are striving to do. That is charity. And what does charity do to faith? It supercharges, turbocharges, uh, aftercools, sorry, engine work. But, uh, I mean, it makes it, uh, it makes it run unbelievable. What does charity do to hope? Well, charity hopeth all things. Charity never gives up. And it never fails because charity is wanting what Jesus wants. It's getting close enough to Him that I'm actually praying for things that are according to God's will. And when you pray according to God's will, He answers every time. Can we say amen to that? We need charity. And how do we get it? By surrendering to Jesus Christ. And letting Him put us as a member in His body, in His church. And we stop worrying about what so-and-so is or isn't doing. Because we're seeking Jesus. And then we encourage one another To get closer to Christ. And when the fakers come in, and they will from time to time, they're going to get pushed out. Because they're not going to get the recognition that they want. They're not going to get the accolades from other people that they're seeking after. And the body will edify itself In love. That's Ephesians chapter 4. Speaking primarily to members of our church tonight, 
asking you to pray with me about this thing called charity. Because we need it. I need it. None of us can serve God without Jesus Christ working through us and in us. Amen? And so tonight's invitation is simply this. If you are a member of this church, I'm going to ask you to spend a little time in your personal devotion reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 asking God to make you compliant to His Word. Amen? And if you're not a member of this church, I'd ask you to consider becoming a member and serving God after the pattern that is set forth in His Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You this night. And Lord, we ask that You would open our eyes to see what charity really is and what it isn't. And Lord...